Hudson Taylor as the director would give his blessing and send many of these women into the interior of China. Many of them were unmarried and they faced many difficulties like loneliness and sickness and often death. All the way from Bokota village in Limpopo, South Africa, we bring you Missionary Minds, where you can learn about family, church history, biblical worldview issues, and of course, missions. All from the mind of a real world missionary of almost 20 years. Paul, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, and we feel that great weight around the world as Christians. And it often seems that ladies are the ones who have a greater sensitivity to the things of the Lord, in many cases at least. And that can be for a, a, a varied number of reasons. Uh, but it also seems to be in the realm of missionaries. I don't see a lot of men signing up to be missionaries, at least in my context. And it leads me to think, uh, what should we think or how should we be navigating through women missionaries? So I'll just hand it over to you just like that. Women missionaries, how should we think on that? Over to you, Fundisi. First story. Gladys Aylward is one of the most noted women missionaries in modern history, though you wouldn't have expected it in her early days, believe it or not. She was born into a poor working class home in the early 1900s, 1902 in London, and was poorly educated and partied and caroused until her conversion. And then she applied to the China Inland Mission, but was rejected after a probationary time. She was just not viewed by the board as missionary material, but she didn't quit. And she saved her money as a parlor maid until she earned enough finances to get a train ticket through Russia and finally into China. Even that story itself is amazing. She somehow gets a job at an inn in China caring for the men that drove mules. And it was there that she learned the culture, she learned the language, and she learned how to give the gospel to the lost in China. Later, she found work as a foot inspector after new laws had been passed prohibiting foot binding. And this allowed her into Chinese homes to give the gospel. And in the end, uh, though she never married and she never thought of herself highly, the Lord used her in an amazing way. She is famous for saying that God had probably wanted a man to do her job, but that man had said no. So when God looked down, he saw Gladys Aylward. So that brings us to our question, should single women be missionaries? Well, the life of Aylward and many others say yes. And I think scripture says yes as well. And that's what we'll be looking at today. Indeed. And uh, when I think of that quote there by Gladys Aylward, I think of when Barack also wouldn't step up to the task and the Lord had to use a woman because of uh, the man shrinking back. And you've talked to us about Gladys Aylward, which is a, and her, her quote again shows that shining example or rather that elaborate example of what I was mentioning earlier, that it doesn't seem like there are a lot of men stepping up to the plate here. And we talked about single missionaries in the past. Uh, what was that about? Do you mind recapping a bit? 
Yeah, so we touched about this in in a previous episode when we asked the question, have single missionaries been successful? And our answer to that was yes. Now, remember, this is different than the question of solo or team missions. And that has to do more with should I be on a team or not, which we answered that absolutely team missions is the pattern in scripture go two by two that's the pattern of jesus with his disciples and certainly the pattern of paul and his journeys almost always going with a team and even when he broke off from barnabas when they just couldn't find cohesion on that particular point he didn't go it alone but immediately he latched on with silas and uh, Barnabas immediately latched on with Mark. So whether you're single or married, go with a team. But that's not what we're discussing here. When we talk about single women missionaries, that is referring uh, not to if she should be with a team or not, but let's say she's not married. Can God use missionaries that are women? Can God use missionaries that are single women? And uh, we put this question kind of in different categories. We talked about married missionaries that became single. That would be someone like John Payton, who went to the New Hebrides, married, uh, actually at the last minute, uh, he got married, but then he lost his wife and he lived for four years on the island of Tana, single. That would also be someone like William Carey, whose wife died on the field and he was single for a brief time. In fact, we could go on and on in this category because missions, especially in the past, is so dangerous that spouses often died, making their husband or wife single. More often, it was the widower that continued on. And then you have books, of course, like the three Mrs. Judsons, the the wives of the great missionary Adniram Judsons. That would be that would be one category. You you have uh, men that went over, or women that went over, they were married, and then they became single. Then you have another category, and that is single missionaries that got married. That is, they started out single, and then they got married later on. This would be someone like James Gilmore, and the amazing story about how he goes over to Mongolia single, and then to these extraordinary events, he finds uh, a lady back home, and they're married for uh, many blissful years. My own testimony would fit into this category. I came to South Africa single, and then after two years, I found my beautiful bride back in the U.S., and then we were married. And then there are single missionaries that, that remain single. That would be someone like Henry Martin, though he wanted to be married to Lydia, it never worked out. Amy Carmichael would be uh, another example there, although she seemed to have the gift of celibacy and and very happy uh, to be single her whole life. And so whatever category you fit into here, we're talking specifically in this particular episode about women missionaries and specifically single women missionaries. I know there's not a lot of debate of women missionaries that are married, of course, they're missionaries, yes, go to the field. But here you have, in the particular country you're from, she's 22 years old, let's say, and she wants to serve the Lord. And for whatever reason, the Lord has not brought her a spouse. What should she do? Can't she be a missionary? Should she initiate 
to be a missionary? Can the Lord use her? Should she be used? What about church planting and preaching and she's not able to do these things or should she be able to do these things? What does the Bible have to say about that? That's what we want to talk about today. Thanks for recapping that for us, Buddy Paul. And if anyone's just recently jumped on the Missionary Minds train, I'd advise you to hop a couple of carriages back and uh, recap that episode. It was a blessing indeed. Um, And you gave us a bit of church history there and some examples, but let's dig into scripture a bit. Do you find anything concerning uh, women missionaries in scripture? Yeah, so let's, let's go to the greatest missionary example in scripture, and that's the Apostle Paul. And when we look at the Apostle Paul, we should not see him as a maverick. Yes, he was a pioneer missionary because he was going to untouched places. But he wasn't a loner. Of the approximately 100 names that are connected with Paul in the book of Acts and the Pauline letters, 38 of them are co-workers of Paul. And all kinds of different terms are used for these co-workers. You have brother, you have apostle, you have servant, you have slave, companion, worker, soldier, fellow prisoner, fellow worker. Also, prophet, teacher, shepherd, proclaimer of the gospel, servant, manager, helper, and assistant. Uh, But the most frequent would be something like worker or co-worker. He was happy to work with other people. And of that group that were considered his co-partners or his co-laborers or his co-workers, about 18% of those were women. So we find examples like Phoebe. In Romans 16, you have examples of Priscilla or Chloe or Mary. It makes me think of Acts 16. Here's Lydia. Uh, She's converted through Paul's ministry. Remember, Paul goes to Philippi, and instead of going to the the synagogue, which he normally does, he goes to the riverside, and he, he wins these women to Christ. And after she's converted, she immediately sits back and says, I'm a woman, I can't be involved. Not at all. No, she immediately uses her wealth and hospitality to help the church and to help Paul specifically as a missionary. Uh, Paul speaks about Euodia and Syntyche in Philippians 4, 2 through 3. And he says specifically that they labored side by side with Paul in the gospel. Some translations even say that they struggled together with Paul in the ministry. Now, nothing is said about the husbands of most of these women, meaning there's a good chance that several of them were single and yet they were busy serving the Lord, particularly in missions. Amen. And what an example that is. I can think of what a blessing Paul experienced by having Uh, these women be partners in ministry with him. And you mentioned a a couple of different roles there. You mentioned prophet, teacher, shepherd, proclaimer of the gospel, servant, manager, helper, assistant. Are you saying here that there's no distinction made between female and male missionaries? Can they all just go into the field and do everything equally? Yeah, that's a good question. And I would say, uh, no, their roles are certainly not the same. Now, oftentimes, women missionaries are also often wives, and so their primary task is being a helper to her husband, 
and of course teaching the ladies when she's able, but primarily caring for the home and the children, her family and her husband. Single women missionaries can also be a tremendous help to the ministry as well, but in different ways. So let's let's not pretend that she does the exact same thing as a man. We know, as we've talked about in other episodes, that we believe in equality of worth when it comes to men and women, but certainly the roles are different. One of the primary tasks of mission work is establishing churches. And Jesus told us in the Great Commission to make disciples. And if we are doing this in lesser reach places, then we need to establish churches so that these converts have some place to go. This is the pattern we see of Paul, for example, in Acts 13, and he's establishing three self-churches. Now, women are not called to preach. Women are not called to pastor or specifically to plant churches. Maybe we could see, say the three Ps, uh, preach, pastor, plant churches. But there is another aspect of missions besides planting churches and preaching and pastoring, and that is strengthening the churches. And what a tremendous aid that women can be in this way. Makes me think of Acts 14, 21 through 23. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And this is where single women missionaries can be so helpful. They help strengthen the churches. How? Well, I think of our own ministry. We need teachers for the Christian school that we started. And I think of your wonderful bride, Sassy Miso, who used to be Miso Shela before she took Katunga. And, and so she was able to do a unique thing where she came and strengthened the churches by counseling the ladies and teaching the ladies and praying with the ladies and, of course, teaching in the Christian school. We needed tutors for the children so we could further do our own work. And then we have a particular lady that comes from Germany or another wonderful lady that comes from Florida. This was, I would say, real mission work. And then we could add to this all kinds of things, uh, orphanage work or translation work. I know some ladies who have tremendous ability in languages, and so they've studied how to translate the Bible. I have no problem with that. And then working in schools, etc. So there's so many ways that women can serve in cross-cultural missions to strengthen the church. Amen, brother. And as you were speaking there, uh, before you even started mentioning the the ladies and uh, you you mentioned my wife, so I'm already just uh, dreaming about her and smiling I, ear to ear. Exactly, right? exactly. Um, and as you were mentioning the ladies there, well, even before you mentioned them, people like Jana and Faith came to mind because um, when you're outside the field, you think of the forest but when you get there there are many trees to navigate and the amount of work that the janas and the fates and the measles helped with in just getting the everyday drudgery done to free up you and your wife 
and then to free up more so you so you can attend more faithfully to the things of ministry is such a blessing and that's the same thing that happened for the apostle paul and the way the ladies were able to partner with him in the gospel and it just makes me think of women are just so gifted at helping and not just helping her husband or helping in the home, but helping in ministry. God has created them that way, and God has made them to find satisfaction in that way. That is, they're not out of he- out ahead, they're not leading the van, but they are helping. And that is such a tremendous way that women throughout history have helped missions around the world. Since recently getting married, before I used to think of myself as such a capable multitasker, but it seems that in comparison to my wife, I seem to be so one track minded and she is able to somehow just get her mind around the web of things that need to be attended to, uh, which contributes to that help factor you're speaking of. Uh, do you have some examples you can mention of how some of these ladies were participating in this mission field? that made them great helps to the ministry. Yeah, I'll just I'll bring one that comes to mind immediately, and that is when we had faith here. We had a boys' camp, and I'm the one who came up with a theme and chose the speakers and preparing the sermons and just the big ideas. But, you know, there's such a thing as a menu that's needed. Like, the boys have to eat, and there's such a thing as having a roster of the names and the ages and all of those details she took care of all that, which was so incredibly important. Now multiply that times a thousand. I mean, there's so many ways that they can help to to aid the ministry, to strengthen the ministry. I could never have done that myself, nor would I want to, nor am I capable of doing it myself. And that's why God has created men and women differently. God has given us different gifts so that we work together to build up the body. That's so true. And it, it, it takes me back to the gym camp, as you were mentioning, and even there was the one where I actually met Faith and she was just running around with uh, Miso and Sissy Miso wasn't my wife at that time. So I was just gazing, obviously, but they were running around and they were just on the ball. And recently I think of Miss um, Tabello and uh, my wife and Miss Ellie and your wife. And we had the gym camp. There were a bunch of these older cavemen that came together and you are doing everything to lead the team in uh, teaching us and in discipling us. And all these 50 plus men needed to be fed and they eat a lot and they got to fill their bellies. Uh, the ladies were handling, handling a lot of the admin, the food, uh, making sure the behind the scenes flow so smoothly so that the work of the ministry could be more effective. And that's an incredible blessing. Are there examples of women missionaries in church history that we can look to? Uh, Not only are there examples, there's dozens of examples, hundreds, thousands of examples, though many of these stories have gone to the grave with these heroes of the faith known not by man, but known by the Lord Jesus Christ, whose reward is in his hand, and he will reward those ladies one day. There are so many examples, it's, it's difficult even to know where to begin, but let me just point you to a few. So if you are a lady today aspiring to missions or a husband that wants to encourage his wife, here are a couple places that you could point them to. First would be Hudson Taylor's two-volume biography, not the brief biography, which is called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret, 
but the two volume and specifically I would point you to volume two in a chapter entitled women which labored with me in the gospel now if I can just back up for a moment because this was a one of my greatest gifts uh, the best man in my wedding Micah Colbert gifted me these two volumes I've read them multiple times they've been very influential a little expensive hardcover but just outstanding and a uh, one one of the greatest books on um, on missions and that chapter in the second volume which is called women which labored with me in the gospel we read reference that earlier right in Philippians I think that's a reference to Philippians 4 3 so here's Hudson Taylor uh, he's a pioneer in China and in his encouragement to women to become missionaries which is somewhat unusual especially single women missionaries and as you know Taylor started the China Inland Mission it was called it began in 1865 and the goal was to start an interdenominational evangelistic missionary society in order to reach China with the gospel now the China Inland Mission actually changed its name many decades later to OMF or Overseas Missionary Fellowship had several unique marks one of them was that it targeted just like the title said of the mission the inland parts the interior portions of this vast country of China rather than just reaching the cities on the coast which really had been the strategy that had been the pattern in missions to that country for many years so he says let's go interior but of course if you go interior that means less roads that means less wealth less education it makes things different difficult and then second one of the unique marks of the china inland mission would be that the missionaries refused to appeal for funds and instead they would rely on unsolicited donations and you just read story after story of just praying in the the funds that they needed the donations hudson taylor as the director would give his blessing and send many of these women into the interior of china many of them were unmarried many of them were young and they were defenseless and they faced many difficulties like loneliness and sickness and often death taylor insisted that missions was not only men's work but that it was women's work too in fact the interior of china was just as accessible to women as to men sometimes more accessible to women because they were not viewed as a threat similar to elizabeth elliott when she returned to the wyodani indians who had killed her husband and the the alka five she was able to return because she was not viewed as a threat and so the chapter that i'm referencing here tells the story of many amazing women missionaries some of them the first foreigners ever in areas of tens of millions of people and it tells story after story of so-and-so that went to china to give their lives as missionaries and the ladies would talk about how there would be anywhere from 200 to 500 ladies a day that would come to speak with them and they would love these chinese women many of them loving them unto death like for example the name of a missionary you've never heard of but it's mentioned in that chapter emily king 
for example, she, she dies of uh, typhus fever, but not before leading 18 women to Christ. That would be one example that I would point our listeners to, to find inspiration of great women missionaries in church history. And that's an example that really elaborates the point. But I think of what you're mentioning there, uh, Emily King, who died of typhus fever. And then you mentioned loneliness. You mentioned sickness. You mentioned death that often came to these uh, single women missionaries. What about the safety of the ladies? Did Taylor consider that? Mm. Mm. He did consider it. Yes, I would say Taylor was not blind in his recommendations for women missionaries. He wasn't a fool. But when it came to safety, and I would say in many ways different than our world today, when it came to safety, he basically narrowed it down to two things. One would be he wanted the women to walk in godliness, knowing that if they were clothed in holiness, they would have a dignity that would often be of practical help in protecting them. In other words, take care of your side, make sure that you're walking with the Lord, make sure that you're not doing sinful activities that could perhaps threaten your life. Okay, that's, that's the responsible side, the human side. But then second, ultimately, he placed them into the protecting hand of the Lord. Taylor was a man of prayer, and he prayed for their protection, as 2 Thessalonians 3 specifically tells us to do. I mean, this is a biblical prayer request. Brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, and then here it is, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. So that's a real prayer request that we have to bring before the Lord in in our supplications lord please protect so and so from harm hudson taylor certainly did that with the lady missionaries are you able to give a few more examples Uh, ladies have often led the charge sadly enough in missions the past hundred years and i've mentioned this many times before going back to universities in the u.s going to churches in general i see more interest from women when it comes to missions than men. It hasn't always been this way, certainly been this way at least for the past hundred years. And But what that does is it gives us lots of stories. If you want a good summary of great missionaries in history, I would encourage you to check out chapter 11 in the book From Jerusalem to Irian Jaya. Uh, the author is Ruth Tucker, although I just want to say be cautious. Um, with Tucker's, uh, some of her doctrine and her egalitarianism, be cautious with them. But as you read it, who can forget the pen of Lottie Moon that stirred the hearts of so many Baptists? Or who can forget the single-minded devotion of Amy Carmichael in India? Or who can forget, as we mentioned already, the travels of Gladys Aylward throughout China? I think about my own wife, who wanted to do medical missions and had given her life to be a missionary around the world, and now uh, we're missionaries together. Women, missionaries, absolutely. Biblically and historically, we see so many examples, and may the Lord raise up many, many more missionaries today, and even specifically women missionaries, 
to carry the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world and specifically to strengthen the churches. Thanks for answering our question today, brother. And just before we wrap it up, I'd like to uh, ask you to comment on the ability of single women missionaries and the unique flexibility they have because you have a very capable wife and she does a very good job at holding down the fort as you attend to your tasks. So is there, do you find a a unique opportunity in women who aren't married and and pregnant? Hmm. Well, I'll just put it this way. If, if my wife was not married to me, she would probably be in some little village in Africa or somewhere around the world. She had been to Indonesia and she had been to Uganda and her unique gift was medicine. So she had been trained as a nurse and midwifery, etc. So that was that was her way to use her particular gifts. And I would say, not just with women, but I would say anyone single. So let me just push over the application now to men here as well. You have unique opportunities and really gifts when you're single. And that's what scripture tells us, First Corinthians 7. You can devote much more time to the ministry because you're not thinking about your family. And even in my own ministry, when I was single, I mean, I look back at those years, I was single for two years on the mission field, and that was wonderful. I was able to travel the country and raise support. I was able to survive a crocodile attack because we're just, you know, sleeping in tents by the river. I was single. I was able to learn the language and stay up late. Even in those days, I was coming to so many great theological convictions just because I had so much more time. I was able to work all day, uh, let's say, with construction ideas with the house, and then I could do, you know, theological studies in the evenings, whereas now I have to devote it particularly to the family. So I would say, yes, there's some differences that men and women have in their own roles and their own sex, but I would say even more so, when you are single, don't waste your singleness. Get busy serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't bemoan the fact that you don't have a spouse right now. If the Lord wants that, he'll bring that to you one day. But for now, if you're single, don't waste it. Give it all for the Lord Jesus Christ. What a treat, Mfundisi. To our audience, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to rate it and subscribe to keep posted with more upcoming content. Feel free to share this episode with someone who might find it interesting and submit any questions you may want answered on a future podcast. You can email those questions to callschleyline at gmail.com. You can also visit betweentwocultures.com for other resources like this. I'm your host, Yamikani Katunga, and until next time, that's it for Missionary Minds.